You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. We hope that what you're about to hear will bless you and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. We hope that it will strengthen you in faith and that it will help you better understand and better recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. Dr. Holler is coming. God bless you. Glory to God. Take your Bible, please, and turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11. Father, bless the reading of your word today. Bless your people with understanding and revelation. Help us to be all we can be in this kingdom of yours, this family of yours, and in the world. Help us to do what we're supposed to do, but receive what we're supposed to have, too. Well, Father, I believe you to do what I cannot do today in Jesus' name, by your spirit, by your power. Because it's not by my, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Triumphal Entry Day, Palm Sunday, Triumphal Entry Day, the week before before Easter. So I'm going to read this passage of Scripture to you and show you that there's a lot more in there than just the Triumphal Entry. I'm calling this message the Triumphal Entry and so much more. Read, read Mark 11, verse 1, Miss Anne. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. Now that, these little towns are just out south of Jerusalem, about five miles. Bethany's about five miles south of Jerusalem. Okay. And saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye enter into it, ye shall find a colt tied wherein never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do you do this? Why ye, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loosed him. Isn't, so, isn't that right? At a crossroads. This little donkey was at a crossroads. I believe some of you may be, may be at a crossroads today, tied where two ways meet. If you're at a crossroads, you always have a decision to make right there. This little donkey was standing there, tied up right there at a crossroads. Indecision, indecision stops us all. We get tied up at our, at our, at our decision points. We can't make a decision. But somebody has to come loose us. That's why I'm here today. Loose you so you can get it, make your decision. Amen. And bring you to Jesus. Amen. Donkey was tied up. He, did, he needed someone to come and loose him. Bring him to Jesus. First, First John 3, 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the, the devil, for the devil sinneth from, from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Destroy there is the word luo. It's a Greek word, luo. Everybody say luo. Luo means to loose any person or thing tied or fastened. Oh, that doesn't sound like demolished. Like we, we think we destroy a car wreck, you know. But he's talking about luo. This, this word destroy means to untie. Like the devil's main purpose in the world was to make nets for us, to catch us, to trap us. Jesus came and untied all those knots in the devil's nets. Amen. You see that? No trap can hold you today because Jesus lured you. He lured the devil. Destroy the works of the devil so we can go free. This little donkey sitting there saying he needed somebody to come untie him, to, to lure him. Amen. Amen. I feel like a little donkey sometimes. <laughs> he, he, he said nobody had ever ridden him. Nobody could ride me when I was lost. I was in, in my sinful ways. You know what I'm talking about. Nobody could, t nobody could tell me right from wrong like, like, uh, like Mama tried. You know, Mama tried to raise me better, but bleeding I denied. Merle Haggard said, uh, Merle Haggard said, uh, no, nobody could change his mind, but Mama tried. As a little donkey, nobody had ever sat on him. Nobody had ever been able to ride him. Till Jesus came along. Amen. Amen. That's my story too. Reverse five, Miss Anne. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, Why do ye loosing the what do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. Now everybody will understand what's going on with you. They won't. What's going on here? Who do you think you are losing him? Well, I made a decision. I made a crossroads, and I made a decision. That's okay. Just keep saying what Jesus said. They said what Jesus said. You just keep telling them what Jesus said to you. Amen. Amen. They're not going to understand your, your, the change in your life, and you'll meet new people who don't understand what's going on in your life. Just keep saying what Jesus said. Amen. Verse 7. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches of the trees, and strawed them in the way. When a person gets a revelation or a vision that he can be clothed in God's righteousness, it becomes, easy, it becomes more easy to shed his own. Shed his own. They, they saw Jesus and his righteousness coming. They knew who he was took off their clothes, their coats, and threw them in the, on, on the ground. You know, Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3, I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness. Yeah. But that which is of the, of the Lord Jesus. That which comes by faith in Jesus. That's the highest kind of righteousness there is, a faith in Jesus, righteousness. Amen. You can get righteousness from the law, but it's going to be your own righteousness. What is your, what is your own righteousness called? Self-righteousness. Nobody, nobody wants to be self-righteous. That's all you get when you get the law in you. Right. Read on Miss Anne, verse 9. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna. Blessed. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now listen to this. This is called the triumphal entry, Palm Sunday. 
Read verse 11 now. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and in the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany, Bethany with the twelve. All right. You know that not every story of Jesus, Jesus is in every gospel, but this one is. This story is in all four gospels. That means, that means it must be important. It's interesting to note that there details in them vary a little bit from one one telling of it to another. They said Jesus entered into Jerusalem, into the temple, when he had looked around about upon all things. So he was in the in the temple that day and did nothing. He looked around. Saw all that was going on in there that because you're gonna see what he does does in a few minutes. He did nothing that day, just looked around. Just looked around. But after in a little bit you're gonna see how he comes back and cleanses the temple the next day. Peter And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Now, who lived in Bethany? Lazarus and Mary and Martha. That's where they stayed most of the time. Lazarus and Mary and Mary and Martha lived out in Bethany, suburb of, of Jerusalem. I stayed in the suburbs. You know. Verse 13. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eateth fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now listen. Jesus was not really mad at that little fig tree. He cursed it. It's the only thing he ever cursed. Never cursed anything. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He did, he did not do this kind of thing except one time. I wonder why he did it. Why do you think it's important to curse this fig tree? This fig tree, because he, he, he had a flashback. I tell you, that's what he, had, what he did. Had a flashback. Jesus had a flashback, went back all the way to the Garden of Eden. The day he saw Adam. Adam standing at that fig tree. That fig tree offered him something else too besides figs. What did he offer him? Fig leaves. Adam made clothes out of the fig leaves. And Jesus, as a representative of Adam, the representative man, stood this time and cursed that fig tree. Cursed the leaves. In verse 15, he's saying. And they come to Jerusalem and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. Now listen to me. This was not under the authority of a rabbi. This was not under the authority of a rabbi. Two people had this kind of authority in, in Israel. The high priest and the king. Oh. 
How's a rabbi going there and do that? But well, a rabbi didn't. The king did. Amen. High priest did. Acting as God's high priest, as a king. See, he had already been inaugurated. Jesus took that, that, that moment when he came into Jerusalem as his inauguration. Because Isaiah had prophesied this would happen. When it happened, Jesus said, "My said in his heart, I'm, I've been inaugurated now, King of Israel. Kings had special privilege concerning the temple. Kings built the temples. David and Solomon built the first one, right? Who built this temple? Anybody remember who built this temple? Not, not this one that Jesus is talking about. Herod, King Herod built this temple. Even though he was a butcher, butcher of Bethlehem, uh, an ideologue that had thought he his ideas were all right, a narcissistic dog is what really what he was. However, he built the temple according to the specifications of the Word of God, and Jesus acknowledged that this was really the temple of God. You know, even though Herod had built it, it was a, it was the authority of the king to do that kind of thing. Two people had the right to go in and do this cleansing: was the king and the high priest. And Jesus is both. Amen. He, using his kingly authority, walked into that temple that day. Verse 17, Miss Anne. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. He quoted Isaiah 50, 56, 7 there. And other places read on. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people were people was astonished at his doctrine. They knew this was the act of a king. They knew this. The scribes and Pharisees were terrified of him because he is acting like a king. They thought if Jesus gets this kingly, if the, if the people make him king, our place is gone. Yeah. We lose our seat. There's a Messianic prophecy. The very first Messianic prophecy of Jesus is, is enormously strong and important. It comes from Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. Can you pull it up, Alan? Very first Messianic prophecy, which is also a prophecy of the king, promise of the coming king, Messiah king. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Notice what it says. It did not say Jesus would bruise the head of the serpent. This is a misnomer. We, mis we misunderstand the word of God when we say it like that. He said he's going to bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. Get that. Movies have shown Jesus bruising the head of the serpent. That's not what it said. I'm going to bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. You see that? Who is that? Well, Matthew, John chapter 8, verse 42 says, Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth from it and came out from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech, even because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. 
and he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. They are unable to believe Jesus because they had a mind set up that it was going to be a certain way. What was their great sin? Unbelief. Unbelief. Unbelief is the greatest way, greatest enemy of religion. Is it, I mean, I said that wrong. Belief, faith is the biggest enemy to religion. Unbelief is a product of religion. Amen. That makes more sense, doesn't it? You say it right. Unbelief is the product of, of religion. Faith is the biggest enemy of religion. Here's verse 19, Miss Ann. And there were even and when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curses is withered away. Listen. Listen. Hang on. See the the whole of humanity had no answer for what happened in the Garden of Eden. Had no answer. Just lost. Adam had had an idea one day. The next day after they sinned, I guess, they said the Lord came walking in the cool of the day. It may have been the same evening. Maybe in the same day. I don't know. God came walking after they'd sinned. Where did they go? To, to the fig tree to sow on fig leaves. That story still shocks me. Think about the progenitor of the universe. <laughs> the greatest man that ever lived. Oh, first man. No 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 problems like we had. Here's Adam, the man of the man of man's, man of men. Man of all men. Dressed in fig leaf skirt. Here's Eve. Eve, she's just in a fig leaf skirt, a little tank top on. <laughs> and she looks at Adam and says, this makes me look fat. <laughs> and that's when Adam sent his second sin. He said, no, second sin. It's a ridiculous thing. But they were trying to approach God. They did that because they were afraid of God. Fear had taken over their lives. This is the way to approach God. It's the first time, first thing happens is men get religious when they lose their faith. Write that down someplace. When, you, when a man loses his faith, he gets religious right away. Faith is the opposite of religion. Got it from the roots. Where, where did you get to, Miss Ann? Twenty-two. He he cursed the tree. It dies. They see it the next day. And when they say, "Jesus, look, they curse you. Curse that tree. Look, look, look at that over there, Lord." What does he say? 
Have faith in God. Have faith in God. He's telling them how righteousness really comes. Righteousness does not come by religious exercise. Good. Righteousness comes one way. Everybody say it. By faith. by faith. Have faith in God. There's no other way to get right with God. You can jump out through all the hoops that they tell you to, but they're going to, you're going to end up sad and lonely and away from God. One way to come to God is through faith in Jesus. It's the only way. Amen. How many of you here can testify that that's how you came to Jesus? Have faith in God. Religion's number one enemy is faith. The first time man attempted religion was with the fig leaf. Fear. This, I mean, let me give you what the fig leaf stands for. I've done this before, but I need to harken back to this right now. F-I-G-L-E-A-F. Fig leaf. First element of religion is fear. Adam said, I'm a, I was afraid. Fear drove him to get religious. You see what I mean? Everybody starts going to church for one reason or another. Most people get saved because they're afraid of hell. Most people get saved because they don't want to go to hell. That was, my, my, that was me. I didn't want to go to hell. Anybody else with me? But you stay saved for another reason. Because you're in a family. Amen. Not because you're afraid of hell. Hell becomes a non, non-factor after you're saved. You see how much God loved you. How much he wanted you in his family. How he's never going to kick you out of his family. I mean, proud about, happy about that fact right there. You're not going to get kicked out. God's not in, in, in the reducing. God is not into reducing Jesus' re- reward. He's not going to minimize Jesus' reward because you messed up. Jesus' re- Jesus' reward is big, and it's going to stay big because God wants him to have it. His Father wants him to have a big re- reward. But fear is a big thing re- about religion. They cloak it in the religious language of the fear of God, but it's not the fear of God at all. Not the fear of God at all. It's fear of fear of being kicked out of the church, a fear of going to hell, fear of all kinds of things, but it's not the fear of God at all. Fear of God is all through the Old Testament. Faith in God is all through the New Testament. Faith in God is all through the New Testament. Fear of God is all through the Old Testament. Amen. The next thing is insecurity. There's um, Talk about losing your salvation all the time. Religion loves to dangle people over hell. Loves to dangle them over hell. I got tired of that. I just got tired of that. I never saw Paul do that even once. Read Paul's doctrine. I never see him do that even one time. He said, we brought you this message with full security. Brought you this message with security so you can know you're saved and completely saved. I'm trying to get saved over and over and over and over. How ridiculous is that? How many times does a baby have to be born to be born into a family? Once or ten times? How many times? How many? How many have been born once? How many have been born twice? I got born twice. Once in my body, once in my spirit. That's all you need. That's all you need. Amen. Third thing is guilt. Boy, if you raised like I was, you know what guilt is. I had a good mama, good woman, but mom, she could lay the guilt on me. 
Y'all met her. She's been here a few times. Even spoke here one time, I think, a little bit. Yeah, she's an amazing woman of God. She could lay the guilt on me. She knew all the right verses to talk about, you know. I may have my experience. Don't raise your hand, West. She's sitting right there. Your mama was perfect. L stands for legalism. Fig leaf. L is legalism. It's all about the do's and don'ts, all about the rules. I saw what you did. I saw how you looked at that woman. I saw that car where you had it parked. I saw that look on your face. I saw you smoking. I saw you drinking. I saw you dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Do's and don'ts. To most people in religion, that, that determines who you are by what you do. Yes, most men, who are you? They'll tell you what to do. Who are you? Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a banker. I'm a railroad man. I'm a farmer. I'm a rancher. I didn't ask you what you did. I asked you who you are. They don't know who they are. Most religion talks like that. I went to a house, knocked on the door one time. They came to the door. I said, hello, I'm John Holler, and I'm with here I'm with such and such churches out in West Texas. I said, I want, want to know if you are a Christian, you'd like to be saved. That's why I'm here to talk to you about the Lord. She said, I'm a graduate of ORU. I said, that's nice. That's the good school, but I didn't ask you where you went to college. I, I asked you if you were saved, if you knew Jesus. She said, I just told you I'm a graduate of ORU. I said, ma'am, I appreciate Oral Roberts very much. I know he was a saved man, but I had kittens one time. had a cat one time. I had kittens in the oven, but they did not, did not make them biscuits. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, are you saved? She slammed the door in my face. <laughs> slammed the door in my face. So, so I'm, not, I'm not suggesting you use that line on <laughs> But it doesn't. Just because you, you got a cat that had kittens in the, in the oven doesn't make them biscuits. It's just not. It's because if you go to church, you've been graduate or you're a graduate of CFNI. That does not mean you're saved. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Must believe in Jesus. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. Yeah. The, the E stands for ecumenicalism. I want to explain this to you. Ecumenicalism is ecumenicalism the doctrine of ecumenicalism is the doctrine that says we're all God's children no matter what denomination we're a part of we should we should reach across the lines and the lines and be be love each other sounds good on the surface doesn't it sounds good what they're saying is we're not willing to really change not willing to see these walls as, as insults to God's grace. These walls we constructed, man-made walls we constructed of our own making. We're willing to reach across that wall, though, to over there and say, hi, brother, I know you. Hi. Yeah. I'll see you next year at the same time. <laughs> we have our ecumenical meeting. 
the very nature of an ecumenical meeting is, is, is proof that they, in their hearts, they know this is wrong. That's why they want to do that, because they know what they're doing is wrong. The denominational headquarters and all that nonsense. Hear me slowly. Let me say this really, really straight. I want you to get me. I want, I want to put, add texture to what I'm saying. Subtlety. It's either the, the enemy. They ought to all go away right now. Ought to disappear right now. There's no place in the kingdom of God under the body of Christ for denominations. There's just no place. No, no, no right for it. It's evil. It's an evil. On their best day, they keep the Christians separated. The Pharisees were the best they had, best that religion had. Pharisees were the best that religion had. You understand that? Anybody can walk in these doors right here. Anybody can walk in these doors from any church in town, any church in the world. Even if they don't go to church and say, I believe in Jesus, we'll, we'll have communion with them. We'll take communion with them right here. Why? Why? Because we, we, we practice what, what we preach here about this. Yeah. We don't say you have to be a member of this church to have break bread with us. Yeah. You name the name of Jesus, you're with us. Yeah. You see that? Yeah. That doesn't work every place because of the denominational headquarters, yeah. denominational biases, prejudices, these walls that are built. Ecumenicalism says, well, it's, it's a religious idea that make us, makes them think that they're 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 not behind those walls, but they really still are. They just leave the walls, reach across every now and then, shake hands with the next guy behind his walls. Yeah. You know, it's an evil that we have to stand up and say something about. The next thing that they think that man man thinks he can reach God with is anti-Semitism, using the Bible to say there's no no need in honoring the Jews. The Jew is all gone now, they say, because the destruction of the temple in Jew, AD 70, they said the Jewish nation went away. Hey, hey, it came back. Yeah. <laughs> Language came back. It came right back in 1948. It came back. Yeah. Say there's no Jewish nation. There it is. Yeah. They're here. Yeah. Yeah. It had to be dealt with. Had to be. had to change the theology now. I don't, but some some do. They think the church replaced the Jews. That's nonsense. Jews have their own deal with God. It all involves Jesus, of course. But they don't have to. They don't. They don't do it like we do. They they have to believe that Jesus is uh, is who He said He was. You do too, but you have to believe He did what He did for you is, is what counts for you. What did He do for you? He died for your sins. He was buried and rose again the third day for your sins. He did all that for your sins so, that, so you could come to God and be a part of the family of God. Nowhere does Paul ever call us priests. Nowhere does Paul ever call us disciples. That's, those, are, those are terms that are fit for the Jews. Paul never says that we're, we're priests or disciples. Did you know that? He calls us what? Sons and daughters. Amen. We're part of the family. I don't care about being a citizen if I'm the king's son. I'm, I'm not, I don't even care if I'm a citizen. Good. As a king's son, I have more rights than any, any citizen in town. Yeah. Amen. Glory to God. And the last thing is formalism. It's all about the rituals, the robes, 
Let's go to Chalice. Ah, oh, certainly this is Chalice of a King. <laughs> he chose poorly. Yeah. Remember that line from the Holy Grail? Formalism, all that nonsense about rituals and what have you. It's almost in every church. But that does not mean they're not saved. I'm not saying any of these people are not saved. I'm just saying we cannot let ourselves go there. Yeah. Those those people that are bound up in this fig leaf are not are not monsters. They're just people. So we have to guard our own hearts in this respect. Do you understand me? Yeah. Hear what I'm saying? We guard our own heart. I, I bring you this this kind of teaching to warn you that you can go there too. Yeah. You, I, I, any of us can go there. If you if you want to, you can turn bad right now. You can turn mean right now. I could just start cussing a blue streak right now if I wanted to. I could. All I have to do is think about, you know, Anne's family. And, uh, <laughs> but I don't want to. The reason I don't do that is because I don't want to. You know, Amen. you don't have to cuss. You can keep it under. You don't have to smoke and drink and carry on. You know, you can keep it under. You don't have to do all that stuff that's hurting your body. You can keep it under if you want to. But formalism is a way to call you righteous without being righteous. Because it looks very holy when you see it done, but it's not. It's raining, y'all. I'll talk a little bit more about this, about this denominational stuff, about the Pharisees. Paul said the straightest sect of our religion. He means Judaism had, had denominations too. Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes. John the Baptist was probably an Essene. Paul was a Pharisee. And the Sadducees were hard to get into. They were the upper upper class, the elite class. They came out of a, a generation of the Maccabees, the Maccabees, you know, the Maccabees in the 400, 400 silent years. John Maccabeus, Judas Maccabeus, and uh, they had a nephew named John Hyrcanus, and Hyrcanus became the father of the Sadducees, the ruling class. And they didn't believe in anything. They didn't believe in spirits, didn't believe in life after death, didn't believe in anything. All the Bible they believed was the five Torah books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They did not believe in the, in the prophets, anything like that, the, the Psalms. just all writings that they, they acknowledged as good writings, but they did not believe they were written from God. All they would accept was Moses' writings. So you, you can see that their, their experience is going to be very limited. Yeah. The only time religion is used in the New Testament is to, to describe Judaism. The only time religion is used in the New Testament is to describe Ju Judaism, which is based on the law. Paul never uses the word religion to define what we have. Did you know that? Not one, not one time are you called religious. So the Pharisees were the best of the best in their religion had to offer. 
Read verse 23 of me, saying, Mark eleven twenty three. For verily... Remember this right after Jesus said, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into, into the, the sea, shall and shall not doubt in his heart, but I shall believe. believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore... Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. So Jesus taught faith as a way to change things. Amen. Never one time did Jesus ever talk, teach faith as just hold out to the end, keep your faith, hold out to the end, grin and bear it and die. He never taught faith like religion does. Religion, that's how religion teaches his faith. Yeah. Hold out, hold out to the end. Oh, he never lost his faith. He died, of, died, of, died anyway. Died, died a miserable death. But, but, but he kept on, held on to his faith. That's not, that's not the kind of faith Jesus talked about. Right. Jesus talked about the kind of faith that changes things. Changes things. There is an element of trust. Trust is what you use when you can't change anything. Faith is what you use when you're going to change it. Amen. That's why I'm using my faith right now. Yeah. Faith changes things. Yeah. You got this? Why don't you say it with your own mouth? Faith changes things. Yeah. Noel Shaw found out faith changes things. The story I've told here several times. But we have new, pe new people coming all the time, so I want you to hear this story. One time years ago, I, I preached this message. Not, not, not this message, but out of these verses. 23 and 20, 24. Send to this mountain, send to the mountain. Talk to your mountains, I said. After the service, a young woman came down. Blonde-headed gal, blue-eyed girl. She'd come down there. I'm telling you that for a reason. She came down and she's, her face is bright red. She looks like she'd been crying for a solid hour ever since I started speaking. Sheets of tears, her face is all chapped from tears. She came down the, down the aisle, doing this to me, curling that finger, saying, come here. I'm, I'm standing on the platform. I, I didn't, really didn't want to go down there, you know. And she looked scary. I stepped down off the platform, went down there to her. I said, what can I help you with? She said, nothing. I was come to tell you something. I said, okay, what? She said, I got it. I got it, 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 I got it. I said, what you got? She said, I finally got it. I said, Pastor John, my gynecologist told me not to come back to him. I got pregnant again. I got in the family way again, don't, don't come back to him. I said, why? She said, he told me I had four miscarriages. He said, this is going to ruin your health. You cannot have a baby. You cannot, your uterus is tilted or something. You cannot carry a baby. So don't get pregnant anymore. If you do, don't come back to me. Cause I'm, I'm not going to be a doctor. She said, I pleaded with God. I begged him. I begged and pleaded with God to get me, give me a baby. She said, nothing. She said, but today I got it. She said, today... I, from this day forward, I'm never going to ever again talk to God about how big my problem is. Now, I'm, from, now I'm, from now on, I'm going to talk to my problem about how big my God is. Amen. 
I'm sitting there with my hand up. Ten months later, she walked in that church with a, with a, with a baby that looked just like her, a little blonde-headed, blue-eyed baby, looked just like her, walked in there. We dedicated that baby. Hannah Faith was her name. She was one of my, one of my students down at CFNI. Just, just a year or two ago, she came to CFNI. We, um, a year or two later, later, about 18 months later or something like that, she comes walking in with, with, with another one. Dedicate this one, Pastor John. Okay, but two years later, she came in with another one. Here, dedicate this one. Four of them. How many miscarriages had she had? Four. Uh, Looks like little blonde ducklings on her. You can have what you say. Just keep saying it. Say what Jesus said. No matter what, what, no matter who didn't like it, Amen. Amen. She spoke to her mountain, changed things for her. It changes things for us all. Believe God. Use your faith. Use your faith. How do you use faith? Not just have faith. How do you use it? You use it with your mouth. By saying what God said, claim the promises of God. Amen. I tell you one time, Miss Ann and I have got a call from uh, Pastor Eric. It was just about the time we started coming up here. Was it long before that? Uh, we got a call, and that Johnny Marshall, a friend of ours, was in the hospital in Allen, Texas. Just so happened we were very close to there. We were driving north up here, up this way, and uh, they said uh, he's in the hospital. I said, "What's the matter?" They said they had a heart attack. Heart attack, they think. We got him in there in the emergency room. We just got there. I said, we're about to pull up to that hospital right now. We're going to go in there and see him. Went in there, Miss Ann walked over there to him. This little girl's so full of power. Shocking. I think she's why I'm still alive. Amen. <laughs> she walked in there, and there's this big old guy. Big guy, big old guy. Big old chest, big old hairy chest laying up there on the table, you know, just <laughs> gasping for air, feeling like he was dying. And run some tests on him. He said, you're having a heart attack. Good, good thing you got here in time. They ran the test anyway, and they, when the results were still, still hadn't come back, Miss Ann showed up there to pray for him. I still remember seeing her little hands on his big old hairy chest. <laughs> Hair coming up between her fingers, you know. He prayed in Jesus' name. She did not ask God to do anything. She told her, told her heart attack what to do. Amen. Told his heart what to do. Yeah. Told, told the enemy what to do. Yeah. She talked to the enemy like he's a dog. Right. Talked to Satan like he's a dog. Yeah. She just does. Yeah. You heard her pray. I didn't teach her that. I don't know where she got that. She prayed for a guy on the side of the road down down in Dallas one time. Heard me tell a story. I didn't teach her to that. God taught her, taught her to that. And uh, she prayed for Johnny Marshall. Next day, I like with my big faith, you know, <laughs> I called to check on him in the hospital. I was going to go by and see him, you know. Well, and behold, I said we don't have a Johnny Marshall in this hospital. 
I said, I had a heart attack yesterday. It's got to be there. And he said, well, let me check. They checked the record. said, no, he was released about an hour after he got here. Released? <laughs> Y'all lost your money? I said, no, he didn't have a heart attack. I said, yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. <laughs> sure enough, no, no traces of a heart attack. The doctor just said, lose some weight, Johnny. <laughs> you got off scot-free this time. They did. Amen. Faith changes things. Religion won't do anything but ensnare you, trap you. Religion will just trap you. You can't start just coming to church and think, well, I belong to the river because I go there. You're going to miss the joy of knowing Jesus that way. Getting on what, what we're really about. We're really about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And faith in Him will change everything for you. Amen. The gospel says Christ died for our sins. That's a big promise right there. God's making a promise to the world. I promise you I will not hold your sins against you if you come to my son Jesus. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This is the whole gospel. The gospel is good news. That's what it means. Amen. There's some good news on the horizon for everybody in this room. Amen. Amen. I believe you're at a crossroads. Anybody at a crossroads today? If you're at a crossroads right now, just stand up. If you have a decision to make, you need to stand up. Anybody at a crossroads? Look at this. I knew there was a need to say this today. You're at a crossroads. We're going to untie you this morning. Your elders stand up too. Would my elders and pastors stand up? Just reach your hands out. Let's pray for these people. We're going to believe God for them to be untied and taken down the right road. Amen. In Jesus' name, I pray for the crossroads. It'll be a, not, not a crossword puzzle, but they'll know what to do. The wisdom of God comes to them because the wisdom of God is in them, in, in Christ. In Jesus' name, I speak life to these. I say you will know what to do. You, I loose you right now. I loose you right now in Jesus' name. You know what to do. You know where to go. Take the right road. In Jesus' name, you will. You will take the right road from this day forward. No fear. Everybody say no fear. No fear. I'll make a decision and know what to do. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. Shout for joy. Glory to God. Amen.